Welcome to season two of Outstanding Women Leaders, Witty and Wise Conversations. I'm your host, Katie L. Leeds, leadership and relationship coach by day, comedian and writer by night, and a little by day. I'm on a mission to host 100 million witty and wise conversations that disrupt the way leaders think and the way the world communicates. No more welcome to my TED Talks and Dear Abby Advice Friends. It's time to start having powerful conversations, exchange of ideas without being attached to an outcome. These are the components of a witty and wise conversation that have the power to transform the way we live and lead in a profound way. These four rules today that will guide our conversation are based on the Coactive Training Institute that creates space for powerful connection and authenticity. Rule number one, nobody gets to be wrong. Rule number two, nobody gets to be right. Rule number three, everybody gets to be vulnerable. And rule number four, my personal favorite, everything is included. We do not edit here. If the dog barks, if the truck goes by, it will be in the podcast and it's okay. This conversation is exactly what it needs to be in this moment in time, just like you are. We've asked our guests to join us via video to allow us to create authentic connection. Eyes are the window to the soul. You will be seen here, you will be heard. There is space for you here. Conversation is meant to be a dance, an ebb and flow, a back and forth exchange of energies, thoughts, and emotions. The wit we bring to this conversation releases an endorphin known as the painkiller. You actually feel better when you laugh. The wisdom we bring to this conversation will be seen in the nuggets of knowledge that you take away and apply to your life. When this conversation comes to a close, I will ask you, our listeners, and our guests three questions. If you've tuned in before, you know what they are. If you haven't, you don't want to miss out on them. And if you're our guest, don't panic. They're easy questions. And there's no right or wrong answers, as we've already said. Um, but enough about me. Well, a little bit more. If you want to follow me, Owl, I'm <laughs> professional coaching on Instagram. Head to my website, owlprofessionalcoaching.com. I've also just launched a parliament. This is why it needs to be about me. Because it's really about this outstanding women parliament of, of ton of owls is called a parliament. Yeah, that's right. It's look it up on Wikipedia. <laughs> and uh, we've already got like 20 people signed up. I'm super excited. It's going to be a really great group of women who are going to laugh, learn, and empower one another. Those are, that's literally what it's called. You even have your own special podcast channel. So when you uh, head over to that, you can also get access to um, premium content. If you want to support the podcast, $5 a month, $1 a month, whatever it is, um, we've got some premium content coming out for you um, and hopefully some follow-up interviews with our guests um, on their areas of expertise. Now, enough about me. Let's talk about our guest. <laughs> our guest today is an incredible outstanding woman leader who stared death in the face and said, nah. At the age of 17, right before Ariel Johnson set off for college, her car slid off the road and forever changed her life. As her friends went off to college to find themselves, Ariel went back to kindergarten and learned how to talk, walk, and be an adult all over again. Who Ariel was before her car accident is gone. She died that day as Ariel fought on life support for her new life. Ariel's love of learning and trust of the process has led her to found at TBI underscore me in 2012 to support other TBI survivors. Like any journey with grief, there have been ups and downs along the way. When the pandemic hit though, Ariel was mentally prepared to take TBI underscore me full steam ahead. 
She's done a ton of work on herself. She's super self-aware. She's also really excited to build into herself. And I am really pumped to have her on to talk <laughs> about her journey. Um, I know we said we were gonna talk about a few things to start, but what came up for me is people need to hear the story um, like you had half your skull removed. And so I think people need <laughs> to hear, and I know you yeah. tell the story a lot, but like, let's share with our audience what happened to you that night. Yeah. So hi everyone. Um, my name is Ariel Johnson and on December 13th, 2007, I was driving back to school on a free period and I drove a 1983 Mercedes Benz. It was a, it was an old car, but it was a tank. So it basically saved my life. So I was driving back to school, I swerved into the oncoming lane, hit a van, and then we collided into a pole. And then thank God there was an off-duty EMT man, two cars behind the white van that saved my life, professional. <clears throat> so he, he noticed that I, was, um, I wasn't breathing because of the seatbelt, because it was choking me. He then immediately cut it, saved my life uh, that moment, and then uh, brought me into an uh, ambulance with other uh, professionals, healthcare professionals. They no, they couldn't airlift me because the snow was so bad. It was such bad weather outside. So they closed, I just found this out for my cousin, they closed down all the intersections leading up to Un Nassau University Medical Center. Um, so they shut down all the lights at, or the cops made it work and they, they, um, they got me there. From there, they did. They noticed I was unconscious. They immediately took a picture of the skull, of my skull. It's called a glasgoma scale. So zero, you're dead, 14, you're alive. I was between a three and a seven, which is you're in a coma. So um, from there, they drained out the blood and they did immediate, an immediate craniectomy where they removed the right part of my skull um, to relieve the pressure. Normally they put the skull in your stomach, but they, they didn't do that to like, uh, help, like, um, help get it going again, I guess with the nutrients and stuff, but I believe they put it in a fridge. I was on life support for about two, two weeks. Um, and then they realized they couldn't do anything in the ICU. Like I needed therapy. I needed, you know, just in case I woke up, they needed to like, I needed to be in a setting where I would have the therapies and have everything there so I can, you know, start my process, my journey. From there, they uh, had to get a special helmet. I'm so sorry. They had to get a special helmet um, to, so they had to get a special helmet in order for, to move me because my skull was encaved, which was, I later on saw in a mirror and I, my knees buckled and I was like, oh, this is, this is gross. This is yeah. Scary. I like take us through what you're experiencing as all these things now are happening to you. Like what's, what's going on for your thoughts? I mean, your, your brain. Yeah. Like, okay. So I, I had stents put into my skull, my, my head. So I didn't remember any of this. I was told all, this whole thing from my mom wow. and my, my dad. So, um, I was sent to Mount Sinai Hospital on 100th and Madison in New York City. I woke up around the ending of January. No, I'm sorry, the beginning of February. Woke up, my, there were signs all over my room. I saw my family and I was like, it was like a movie, right? Now that I think about it, it's like um, a movie where, you know, a kid gets into an accident and they, they it's, so what I woke up, 
signs all over my room from classmates. My family got classmates to, you know, feel better, do better, blah, blah. So I remembered my whole family, but my, for my physical and my mental and my emotional, I couldn't speak because I had a feeding tube in me for the past month and a half. My right side was completely numb. I couldn't move it. And even now I feel um, sleepy's foot in the tips of my fingers and tips of my toes and the sensation of um, any, uh, like if I, cold water, hot water, warm water, it, it's like um, too much. So I, from there I had IVs, I was like a pin doll, IVs in me. I was like, whoa, things up my nose. Um, from there I had to learn to walk, talk, do everything all over again. I was a baby being reborn. Like you said, the kindergarten, literally. And then from there, I, I got out of the hospital within like two or three weeks and then just continued therapy. And then I did a three month program, which really, really helped me with my awareness. It was a cognitive behavioral therapy rehab um, at Mount Sinai, uh, Mount Sinai Hospital, where I had to, um, commute back and forth from Long Island because that's where I live. And, oh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. So my skull was encaved and then they had to do another surgery. So I went home with that encaved skull. So they, I had to go back March 3rd to get the skull plate put back in and then March 19th, but I was awake for ICU and all of that. So March 19th, they had to put it back in and then I was set to go home. And then there I commuted to Mount Sinai for about three months learning if it, my triggers, how I can learn to get through issues that I had, work on my outburst, my aphasia, everything that comes with having a brain injury. You so, are amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Um, just, I can't even imagine. And so I'm not going to pretend I can. Um, when we talked, you talked, um, you mentioned your love of learning and you talked a little bit about, you know, you had dreams for college yeah, and, and that's shifting for you. How, how did that love of learning help support you through that? So, because like, imagine you're, you know, you're, I'm 17, I'm hanging out with friends, I'm driving, I have two jobs, I'm like living my life. And then all of a sudden, boom, everything is stripped from you. The one thing that I had to do to kind of like, first of all, I had to stay positive. Like it, it was probably one of the hardest things. And I learned that over the recovery. One day my mom was just like, Errol, you come on, you got to, you know, cause there was a time where I was just like, why me? Why me? Why me? But it's like, no, something switched where I talked to my mom and she was like, no, you have to start thinking positive. That's the only way you'll do better and be better and be the best version of yourself. So I think that really helped being positive and always seeing the silver lining in the mess, in the hurricane that you have go got going on right now, right? Um, and just seeing the silver lining and being like, okay, how can I learn from this? How can I do better and be better? And I think because I was knocked down and I was literally knocking at the, on death's door, physically and mentally and emotionally, I had no way, like, no, no way to go except up. So I was like, okay, 
let's build up, let's learn, let's create new habits, you know, let's just do it. I had no choice. So I literally, and I wanted so badly to go back to the old me, I wanted to be able to drive. I wanted to be able to have jobs, but just do it better. I didn't want to be on medication. I didn't want to. So it's just like having this new, the second chance, this new life, but just do it 10 times better than I had before. So I think that really pushed me and to want to do and just help people. Yeah. I love, I love your talk about positivity. I, for me, um, I relate that to when I was getting divorced. I think about my faith and um, and that's positivity. It's knowing that the universe, that God wants well for me, that there's a bigger plan, um, that there's an opportunity. And we bring leaders on this podcast because leaders are at cause. They see opportunities versus at effect where they see things happening to them. But leaders also struggle with that. Like sometimes as a leader, we feel like things are happening to us. That victim, like, I can't do anything about the fact that Trump is president or yeah. I can't do anything about That's this right. circumstance. Um, and what I see in you is this mental fitness where even when you feel that way, you get yourself back out where you feel like, okay, I can do this. Yes, and it's also kind of like just, and even, even if you don't, you know, okay, I was blessed to have the, the correct support system. I was blessed in a sense to have a lot of the things at my, um, like at my fingertips, right? So if you don't have that, a lot of things that you can do is you can create signs around you. Like you say, if you live in a room or apartment, you can literally create, be positive. Um, uh, I can do it or um, it's going to be a good day. Like just positive affirmations and you can put them all over your room, just a, a daily reminder that it's going to be a good day. You can constantly do it and it's going to all be, it's going to be good. It's just as you put, as long as you put the effort in, it's going to be good. Yeah. I love, I love that you talk about what's around you because that is important. And I think what's around us sort of you know, it represents who we are and like where we're at. And so I, I have a sign behind me that says life is a beautiful adventure. Yeah. Um, and I have one downstairs that says, um, smile because it happened. Yes. Yeah. quote, right? Um, sometimes it's fucking hard to smile. <laughs> Girl. Oh my God. And it's, you know, it's funny. It's like, 90, no, um, I forgot. It's a quote. It's 1% of what happens to you in life. And, but it's 99% of how you react. So if you're in a negative state mentally, you're if something happens to you, right? It could be really messed up, right? If you re if you are already in a negative state, you're going to react in a negative way. So all you have to do is it's that reaction. So it's, so you just have to switch your mindset and it's so freaking hard. And I have my days where I'm just like, I don't think I can do it. I, I don't. And I play that victim mentality where it's my TBI still. And it's like, no, Errol, you've come so far, please. You're, you're, yeah. So. Yeah. And you've talked with me a little bit about loving um, the process of failing. Oh, because, okay. When you're, like I said, when you're knocked down so far deep, I, there's no choice but to go up, right? So it's like, 
my effort and I used to please, I got um, fired from a lot of jobs because of my outburst, because I didn't know how to act professionally because I was just like quick to answer and not process what they were saying to me. So I would get fired from jobs and I would be, I'd fall flat on my face and I'd be like, God, I'm just so miserable. But then I'm like, no, you just, this is a new challenge. You know, like you got through the biggest challenge of all and that's, you know, death. You can do this challenge. So I love finding the silver lining in little, um, in challenges that the universe is giving me. And it's just, yeah, you just got to fight it. And that's also what I want to do for the TBI me. I want to become, I want to do coaching for other people. I want them to be able to come to me with a issue, with a hurricane, with a, with a trauma, maybe even a past trauma. And how can they, you know, see the positive as they're going about their journey. And, you know, cause it's very hard to constantly remind yourself, okay, this is, this is a positive thing. I know it may look like a negative, you know, negative thing. It's not, it's a positive thing because yeah. So, so I have some secret ingredients I like to talk mm -hmm. about with, um, get activating that positivity. You mentioned the things around you, um, right? So that when you see it, your brain gets triggered for positive. And I love that. Um, one of my secret ingredients is meditation and mindfulness. Mm -hmm. And it's something I never thought I would have ever said. <laughs> um, and probably because my amygdala was like, no, it will work. Don't do mm -hmm. this. Um, and so I have found meditation is somehow how we're doing it isn't quite the way it's intended and so when we miss that part um, along with meditation there's these spiritual laws of the universe mm -hmm. and we talk about laws of attraction but we forget to talk about laws of action yes um and laws of intention and the law of intention is about being in, like who do you want to be in this world what impact do you want to give and from that place, you want to set your actions. Um, and so we talked about social media and how you kind of, you know, that was something that was important for you was to remove things on social media that were impacting your positivity. Um, and one of the things I try to do with social media is, well, this is who I want to, you know, how I want to impact and that pot, this podcast and having you participate in this conversation. Yay. Is, uh, is part of that. Um, what other, what recipes or ingredients are in your recipes for staying positive? Okay, for, um, but to go back to the intention, the universe, right? Yeah. Um, you can literally create the life you, you want to have, right? So back in 2012, when I first wanted to do the TBI me, I was, I didn't have enough experience. I didn't have enough knowledge. I didn't not, the big thing was I didn't have enough confidence to be on camera. And I would always like tear myself up after I'd be on camera and I would always try to read th whatever. So I, there was, I couldn't start it then, but the pandemic kind of pushed it. A couple of years later, I was, I had the knowledge and everything. But back in 2012, I, I was smoking a lot of cigarettes. I was eating a lot. I was on a lot of medication, but I would literally, I, would, I guess I would unintentionally meditate every day 
to the universe and I would say, this is what I want. I want to have an apartment. I want to have a career. I want to have a passion. I want to be able to help people. Um, uh, yeah, so I want a boy, like a boyfriend. I want, I want everything that I, what I, and I had nothing. I was still living at home. I couldn't keep a job, couldn't even drive yet. So setting that attention every day of what you want to do, like currently I'm at a stage in my life. It, this may sound crazy to other people, but I'm going to be a billionaire. I know it, it's, I, I'm going to be a billionaire. And I, every time I get frustrated with money, I just say, I'm going to be a billionaire. Anytime you get frustrated, that's another thing, staying in the moment and being grateful for what you do have, but also know that you are going to get what you want if you just for five seconds, just say in your mind, just sit and be like, I'm going to be a billionaire. It's frustrating right now. That's okay. I'm self-aware. I'm aware of that, but also self-awareness, becoming aware that it's going to happen. You just got to let the universe work it out, you know, but as long as you set, like you said, and set that intention, set that idea, seed it now, and then who you know, who knows, maybe years from now, I'll be driving a Bugatti, but we'll work, we'll work on that when it comes. But. I like that you have some big goals. And, um, and it, I also love that you're aware of, okay, well, how does one become a billionaire? Like there's some steps that you have to take. And I think sometimes we want to skip those steps. And so in 2012, you're like, I'm not really probably in the place to be the person saying, this is how you should do things, but you knew that you would be. And so you've created it. And I, I love that. I, um, God uses imperfect people to do amazing things is what the Christian church always told me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I, love I love that, that you're, I love that um, and that you want to make an impact. Like you, you know who you want, how you want to show up in the world and make a difference. And I think that's amazing. Um, when we talked a little bit about having to relearn social skills, and I think of the brain in this, when I think about coaching and the neuroscience, um, and you had a, a great ingredient in your recipe that's helped you with social skills. Yeah, so back in 2012, I would, I didn't have, a big thing with brain injury survivors is filtering. I had no filter. I would literally, and I still don't, I was just talking to my therapist about this. I don't, and I, and I also think it's really good to talk to someone, whether it be a professional, like a therapist or a, just a friend or a family member to just get things out. Don't keep them up here. But going back to that. So I, I, I didn't have a filter. I would literally go to parties with my sister and just say whatever came to mind. Like I didn't care. I was just like, whatever. And I don't know if the I don't care part came from the brain injury or maybe I was just so young and I didn't know. But so even now, like reading people's body language and getting an under, like that's a difficult part for me. I'm, I understand the filter. I understand to be professional. I'm learning that, but it's now it's about the body language and feeling out the room and feeling out what's appropriate to, you know, like being, and I think with the social, the community, it's being empathetic. And we do not do that as humans for the most part. 
that's a, a big thing on the TVI me is just to kind of be empathetic to the next person. You don't know what they're going through. Say you're on a train and you're frustrated. Okay. Or say if you're really happy and you see the next person, you know, they look upset. They look like, just be empathetic. And if they, if they push you, let it go. You don't know if they just lost their entire house. You don't know if they, if, if they just, you know, went through a huge, you don't, you don't know, and you can't assume. So it's like, just be empathetic and understanding that they might be suffering from bipolar, schizophrenia, OCD, and it's a mental health that it's invisible and you don't know, you just don't know. So it's, yeah. Yeah, I, I love that you labeled it as empathy and that being a specific challenge for TBI survivors. Um, because the empathy region in our brain is in our prefrontal cortex, which often is damaged. Um, and also our amygdala is, is, is usually on fire, right? When the, the brain has suffered an injury, you're trying to survive. And when you're trying to survive, that, that's hard. Um, when I heard you talking about in the social skills that really stood out to me or kind of like gave me, perked my ears up a little was, um, you're describing a filter. And I think the world wants to teach us how to filter ourselves to be how we're supposed to be, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, right? And what I have been on a journey for my, for my reinvention and the recipe for reinvention that I include is getting into your values and just deciding who do you want to be every time you show up in the world. Um, so, and if who you want to be is someone that's aware of body language, then here's some tools to practice listening at level two or three yeah. so that you're, because what you're talking about is listening, but at a higher level of just listening to respond. Uh, so it's, yeah, it's interesting. Ah, I'm excited to, um, so we're going to have on a call yeah. time. I'm just so excited to hear about your values and like who you want to be. And, um, in relation to that quote filter that we talk about, I think the world, you know, you've been given a superpower. We all have, and the world needs more of it, not a filtered version. And, uh, when you develop the leader within and who you are and you're constantly checking in with yourself on who do I want to be in this moment versus just be kind or, you know, no, be positive, but really checking in with who do I want to show up as to so this woman on the train that bumped into me? Do I yeah. want to show up as someone that causes harm in her day? Or do I want to show up as someone that is going about their day? And maybe you don't think about it anymore now because you're just showing up as who you are. Yeah. And it's just like, uh, so I, I, growing up, my parents always said like, I'm a love bug. And I don't know if that trans just translated into just after the accident really developed. But at the end of the day, it's just like, like as an, I'm a nanny. So as a nanny, I feel like one of the huge things that, um, helps with children children growth is setting in a healthy environment where it's safety and love and at peace so i feel like as adults we're just literally children at the end of the day so we're just grown-up children so it's like that's where i wanted to, to to do the tbi me you know to that this that platform 
and you can come to me because it will be a healthy, positive, loving environment where you can grow at your rate. There, there's no, no time limit. You, you don't have to be like, you can just be free as to who you are. And yeah, so it's, I love judging. that. You are a love bug. Absolutely. <laughs> I just, you, I feel the safety and the love and the peace just sitting here Thank talking you. to you. Thank um, you. And it is a very positive and loving environment. And I, I'm excited that you're going to join my environment in the parliament, but I'm also excited to see you create your own environment Yeah, um, that has all those components in that recipe for reinventing yourself after an act, a traumatic brain injury. And it's not my, my platform is not only just for brain injury survivors. It could be stroke victims. It could be people who are caring for stroke victims. People are caring for brain injuries. So doctors, professionals, occupational therapy. I try, I'm trying to get in lawyers on, I'm trying to get, um, occupational therapists just to have that conversation at the end of the day, it's a conversation just to about mental health because we all have a brain and we're just, some people are just not outspoken about it as they should be. Yeah. Um, the last thing I wanted to have you share with everybody is when we talked about the relearning the social skills is your, your swap. Um, because I love that. And I think people need to hear it. Okay. So when I was at Mount Sinai rehabilitation program, we, so two things that we've learned, emotional regulation, emotional cycle, and SWAPS, and they kind of intertwine. So first, SWAPS is an acronym for STOP, is there a problem? Because a lot of, as a brain injury survivor, STOP, is there a problem? Um, is there, like, is there a problem? Like sometimes there's not even a problem to be um, figured out. So STOP, is there a problem? What is the problem? We write down all the components of what the problem is. So it could be something as little as, leaving my metro car back at home. How am I gonna get up to Mount Sinai uh, rehabilitation? It's not in my wallet, what do I do? So what are the issues? It's at home, um, how, so like, what, um, how much is a metro card? Okay, so then alternatives and, alternatives and options. What are some things that we can come to a solution? So how much is a metro card? I can just easily maybe call my mom and she'll run down and uh, bring down the Metro card, or I can just get a brand new Metro card. Do I have enough money for it? Okay. And then P is pick and plan. So we, and that's a no judging zone, the alternatives and options. It could be as crazy as I can get an elephant to come down to the sub. It could be something crazy, but it gets us to think outside the box. P is pick and plan. You go back, and you pick out which you want to do. You kind of reevaluate the alternatives and options. And then S is, are you satisfied? So a lot of these swaps, now as a caregiver, you can go and, and talk to the person with a brain injury or, or the stroke survivor and work it out with them. And then emotional cycle is, it slows down the process of just reacting. So the trigger you can, so I would have a trigger of, back in the day, my sisters, because they still lived at home and I have this brain injury, they would do something and that would trigger me to just react. And the result would be I would hit them or 
as sisters do or brothers and sisters do, but um, I would just kind of react in a way that I didn't want to. So sometimes, so we would find out the trigger, we would find out the physical sensations, the thoughts and the emotions, and then we just slow down everything and then the result would happen. So that would just swaps an emotional cycle would slow everything down so I can react in a better way and be a better person when things do arise. So, yeah. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, anything else that you want to share for, for our TBI survivors listening or people that know um, stroke or TBI survivors? Because um, there's a lot going on in the brain that we don't know that yeah. you have like access to sharing because you've experienced it. So just remember it gets better if you only if you put the effort in so like you can't just say oh i want it to get better and it'll be better and i'll do better no you actually have to put the effort in and you have to you should want to continue trying and even though you're embarrassed you're hurt that you messed up in that moment get right back up and get into solution mode. It's solution, solution, solution. You don't have time to think negative thoughts at this point. You are only going forward and you can only go forward if you put in the effort and think positive and you got it and you're going to be good. And that's it. <laughs> I love that. Thank you so much. Um, my three questions, my favorite part. Um, Question number one, what is your superpower? Um, I would say, uh, so love, empathy, and understanding, and just understanding what the next person is going through by putting myself in their shoes. Even if I physically can't, emotionally can't, I can mentally try, and that really helps. Mm -hmm. What is your purpose? To help people, to connect, human connection. At the end of the day, that's all life is, right? Helping, serving the next person. Simon Sinek just gave a talk where he said, um, if you're a business leader, so for your billion dollar business, <laughs> um, the problem you should be solving is how people relate to one another. Exactly. And you are absolutely on a mission to help with that. Um, mm. Mm. My yeah. favorite question, what's next as you sit here in your superpower and purpose? To connect with you and learn how to become a health coach and be, be of a, have a better skill set and help people and, and just have the better skill set. Maybe go back to college. I know I want to go back for nursing, but, but um, get, jumping back into school, that's my next step, step and learning about becoming a health coach. Oh, I can't wait. I'm so curious to ask you questions. I've never had someone say I was next. Usually I'm always like, okay, and do you want to do this thing with me? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, I'm, des we're, I'm, I'm destined to help people at the end of the day. I found my purpose and it's to help people. And I could be through nursing and through a health coach and that's it. That's the way it's going to go. <laughs> Ariel, thank you so much for sharing your love today with us. You bring so thank much you. peace and light. You're just glowing right now. Thank you so much. It's the, 
It's delighting. But um, thank you so well. Yeah, no, I, I so relate yeah. to you with on the speaking. I love I'm so happy you got over your fear of speaking on video. I also <laughs> got over my same fear of that. Yeah. So awesome. That's brought awesome. us together. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And uh, yeah. I'll give you the last words. Oh, let's promote again your Instagram is at TBI underscore me. Anything else you want to promote or say? Um you can find me from there on YouTube and then find me there um, through in Facebook, but I'm mainly on Instagram and then just positivity, light, and love. And that's it. Mm -hmm.